Good morning, everyone. Uh, whether you are a first timer or you're regularly joining us at these online services, I'm so glad that you're here. And from all of us at Calvary, I wanna wish you a very happy Easter. Just before we get into God's word, I wanna pray. So if you bow your heads with me, that'd be great. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for its significance. We thank you, God, for how life-changing it is. And we pray, Lord, right now, that as we, as we look into your word, that you would be our teacher, that we would hear from you. And that at the end of our time together, we wouldn't just have a little bit more information, but that we would be changed. You would transform us. We yield our, our minds and hearts over to you, God. Just be honored and glorified by bringing about that change in our lives, helping us to become true followers of your Son and our Savior, the risen one, Jesus. Amen. Back in uh, 2012, Superstorm Sandy hit the eastern U.S. on October 29th. New York City took a massive hit from that storm. So did New Jersey, other coastal areas to the north and south of there. Even cities as far west as Cleveland, Ohio felt the effects of Sandy. The storm plunged uh, huge parts of American cities, major American cities into darkness. Darkness that lasted in some cases for weeks. That darkness claimed lives. That darkness scarred some individuals, some families, in fact, some entire communities for years to come. We kind of know what that's like, don't we? In a, in a different kind of way. We may have escaped Sandy and our electricity might be functioning 100% functioning, uh, okay. But we're experiencing a darkness right now, a different kind of darkness. But it is a deep darkness. The coronavirus pandemic is a deadly darkness. It's a crippling darkness and it has been a lasting darkness. But I wanna to suggest to you that in the midst of that darkness, something can change for us. It could change today, if it hasn't already. You see, one of the meta-narratives of the Bible, one of the things that's kind of like an overarching story, an overarching theme, is reversal of fortune. Those stories of reversal of fortune in scripture are riveting and they're memorable. And I believe that God often uses them to show us how those stories, the story of someone else, can actually become our story. As we see people move from slavery to freedom, from victimhood to victory, from sinner to saint, from being fear fearful to being courageous, from spiritual poverty to spiritual abundance, from self-preservation to selflessness, from being inept to being empowered, from old to new, from religion to relationship from death to life. Today, we're gonna to look at a reversal of fortunes for the very first followers of Jesus, which in fact is, is kind of like the summit, the end game toward which all those other stories ultimately point. It begins this story with Jesus' arrest, trial, and crucifixion. A series of incidents that uh, took his friends and his followers by great surprise. They had seen Jesus heal people. They had seen him walk on water. They had even seen him raise the dead. Yet just days after he had entered the city of Jerusalem, being hailed as a king, 
and went into the temple and cleansed it with as the action of a, of a bold prophet. Just days later, he was arrested. He was tried. He was convicted and he was ultimately crucified as a criminal. And when that happened, in Matthew's, in Matthew's words, darkness came over all the land. And I think it probably came over those first followers too, over their hearts and minds, over their wills and spirits, maybe just over their entire beings. Maybe you know what that feels like right now. You might know someone else who feels that same way. You might be feeling that way just like in this very moment, in this time of darkness. If that's the case, I want you to know that there is hope. We're going to explore several scenes from the gospel according to John to see three aspects of the great salvation that God provides for us because Jesus was raised from the dead. The first aspect of the salvation that comes through faith in, in Christ Jesus is this. I am saved from the darkness of confusion and I enter into the light of a new calling. Listen to uh, the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter, the very first verse says this, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Now let's pause there for just a second. Think about Mary's probable state of mind that Sunday morning. She had to have been grief-stricken, right? She had just a few days earlier witnessed the crucifixion of Jesus the man in whom she had placed so much hope. She had seen him suffer things that were horrible. She probably couldn't get them out of her mind. She wished that she could forget about them and probably couldn't. If you've ever lost someone close to you, someone important to you, you know that grief doesn't go away overnight. It lingers and sometimes it even festers. So I think we can be pretty confident that Mary was not whistling some happy tune as she walked to the tomb of Jesus that day. She was probably in a very low state of mind, a very dark place. And again, maybe you can just identify with that right now. Mary was freaked out when she saw this, the fact that the stone was rolled away from the tomb and she was kind of overcome with desperation. She runs to Peter and John who are two of the leaders of kind of the, that ragtag band of followers that Jesus had. And she says to them in verse two, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So they, Peter and John, run, run to the tomb to check it out and, and see for themselves. And what's their reaction? More confusion. Mary didn't understand. Now, Peter and John don't understand. In verse nine, it says this about Peter and John. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Now Mary is still at the tomb. She's crying and two angels ask her why she is crying. She's still confused uh, by the missing body and, and this the, the fact that angels are asking her questions, this is probably not helping to alleviate her state of confusion at all. She reiterates to them that she doesn't know where Jesus has been taken and then John tells us this beginning in verse 14 of chapter 20. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there but she did not realize that it was Jesus, still confused. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, 
Tell me where, where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, now, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. She sees Jesus, Mary does, but at first glance, she doesn't recognize that it's him. She thinks he's the gardener. Maybe it was the radiance of his appearance that was kind of playing tricks with her eyes. Maybe her vision was a little bit clouded by the tears that she was shedding. Maybe she didn't look directly at him like she just kind of noticed that someone was there. We really don't know. Could have been a combination of such things. But in any case, her initial confusion disappeared when Jesus called her by name. Her grief began to evaporate like the morning fog. Her darkness lifted and in its place, excitement and joy rushed in. And don't miss what happened next. Mary was given a calling, right away was giving a calling to embrace. Jesus told her to take the news of, the, of his resurrection to others. This woman, a sinful one to boot, scripture tells us, she became the very first evangelist of the resurrection in all of Christian history. Folks, so it is with me, so it is with you, so it is with all of us. We may be downhearted, confused, even depressed about many things in life, about where what we're experiencing right now in life. But if you invite the risen Jesus into your life, many things can become a lot clearer. His resurrection tells you, among many other things, that this life is not all there is. It tells you that, yes, death is an end, but it is not the end. It tells you that if you hope in Christ, all your hopes can be revived. It tells you that your Savior has triumphed over the world, over the absolute worst this world can throw at you, death. And like Mary, each one of us that has trusted Christ is given that same calling. Spread the news. Tell others. Jesus' word to Mary is his word to you and his word to me. Go and tell people Jesus is alive. In fact, I, you know what, I, I think that the darkness of, of confusion actually lifts more, not only in the hearing, but in the going. Like the 10 lepers who were healed by Jesus as they went, as they obeyed his word. So I think our confusion lifts as we go. The darkness is dispelled in the light of a new calling, of a new mission. And so I think as Mary got closer and closer and closer to that group of people that she was supposed to tell about this, as she went, I think that darkness began to lift more and more and more. But that's not all. Another facet of the salvation that comes through faith in Jesus is this. I am saved from the darkness of fear, and I enter into the light of a new presence and peace. Let's look at another part of the resurrection story, uh, picking, up the, picking up the story in verse 19 of chapter 20. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 
After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now let's, let's reflect a little on this. We saw, as I read, that the disciples were gathered behind locked doors. Why? It says they were locked, behind locked doors for fear. Think about that for just a minute. Peter, the one who had walked on water when Jesus had invited him out of the boat, he was locked behind doors for fear. James, who was called one of the sons of thunder, was locked behind doors for fear. John, who stood by Jesus to the bitter end, was behind those same locked doors as a result of fear. They all cowered together in the darkness of fear. I suspect that some of us can really relate right now. Some of us today are at least mentally and emotionally behind locked doors. We're gripped with fear. Fear of getting sick. Fear of losing a loved one or a friend to this pandemic. Maybe even our own life. Fear of losing our job or all the money we've saved or the house we love. Or maybe we're just afraid of losing someone's love. Love of a spouse, a friend, a child, a parent even. Maybe some of you are living in fear of being hurt again or messing up again or getting rejected again or any number of other things. But notice what happened next in those verses we just read as these people are behind those locked doors because they're afraid. Jesus came and he stood among them. And what did he say to them? Peace be with you. Jesus came and he said, peace. He banished their fears with his presence and his peace. And he gave them the Holy Spirit by whom his presence then would continue to be with them even after he returned to the Father. And don't, don't miss that just like he gave Mary that calling to go and, and share with the others, he, gives, he too gives them a calling here in this, in this uh, account when he tells them that as he has been sent, he's sending them as well. Do you know that their story, this little portion of the story, it can be our story too? Salvation in Jesus Christ saves us from the darkness of fear and brings us into the light of his presence and the light of his peace. Jesus had alluded to that very reality earlier in this, in this book, in chapter 16, verse 33, when he said, I have told you these things. He's telling these same people, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I've shared that verse at least three times with you, I think, over the last month and a half. Reminding us that we will have trouble. We're experiencing trouble, but Jesus came to provide for us peace because, and we can take heart because he has overcome the world. Are you afraid today of anything? Something related to the coronavirus or something unrelated to it? It's okay but we don't have to remain in fear. 
Fear doesn't have to have the last word in our lives. Fear is always knocking on our door. We just don't have to invite him in and hang out with him for a long time. Jesus can and he will come to you. His presence can be accessed. And his word to his first followers is his word to me and to you too. Peace. And even that is not all. One more facet of the salvation that comes through faith in Christ Jesus is this. I am saved from the darkness of doubt and I enter into the light of a new beginning. Let's look into John uh, one more time for one more part of the resurrection story. Again, chapter 20, begin reading in verse 24. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas hadn't been in the room when Jesus made that prior appearance to the other disciples. And when they told him the news of the resurrection, uh, Thomas wanted more than words. He wanted stronger evidence than that. So the resurrected Jesus appeared and he removed all doubt from Thomas. But I want you to notice something about this scene that I just read. Thomas had vowed what? He had vowed not to believe until he touched Jesus' hands and his side. So let me ask you again to consider the verses that I just read from John 20, verses 24 to 29. Did Thomas actually touch Jesus' wounds? The text says that Jesus appeared to them. It says he spoke, to them, spoke peace to them. And then he said to Thomas, the very thing that Thomas wanted to do, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. I am inviting you to do exactly what you said you needed to do. <laughs> but it does not say that Thomas did that. The very next thing the story recounts is that Thomas answered Jesus, my Lord and my God. Apparently, he didn't need to touch the winds as he had thought and as he had said. He only needed to see Jesus for himself. I kind of think that's true for all of us. We may think we need complete proof, something tangible, something absolutely irrefutable before we can believe, but we really don't. We simply need to see Jesus with the eyes of our heart because I would suggest to you that that's kind of what faith is, is taking that step, 
Are there reasons to believe? Yes. In fact, there's a, there's a whole uh, kind of discipline within Christianity known as apologetics, which it, it, it helps to help show people the reasons that our faith is a, um, uh, the reasons people should put their faith in Jesus, like evidence of the resurrection, evidences that, that call for us to yield our, our trust and our hope in the person of Jesus. So I'm not dismissing all of that, but I'm, I am suggesting that at some level, it comes down to faith, that we see Jesus with the eyes of our heart and not just the ones that are in our head. And a fresh vision of Jesus, I believe it will dispel the darkness of doubt and it will give all of us the light of a new beginning, a fresh start, just like it did for Thomas. It was true for those first followers of Jesus. After gathering behind locked doors at first, after, after Jesus had been killed, they soon took to the streets of Jerusalem, where Peter gave one of the most power and powerful and successful talks in the history of the church, where he and John healed a blind beggar outside of Jerusalem's temple where despite the threats of those that they were previously hiding from because they were fearful, despite receiving threats from those very same people, they refused to be silent. They refused to stop proclaiming the name of Jesus and the fact that he was alive and that salvation was found in him alone. If you, if you check out the fifth book of the New Testament after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the fifth book, the Acts of the Apostles, you might kind of find it hard to believe that those people in the Acts of the, of the Apostles are the same people who ran away when Jesus was arrested, who were confused by both his death and his resurrection, who were behind locked doors for fear of those Jewish leaders, who were filled with doubt as they tried to comprehend it all. And in a big way, they weren't the same people because the darkness of doubt had been replaced with the light of a new beginning in each of them. In that same way, it can be for each of us today. We can be saved from the darkness of confusion and enter into the light of a new calling. We can be saved from the darkness of fear and enter into the light of a new presence and peace. We can be saved from the darkness of doubt and enter into the light of a new beginning. It all happens when our eyes are open to the risen Jesus. When we open our life to him. When we do as Jesus urged Thomas to do. Stop doubting and believe. Jesus' word to Thomas is his word to me and you. Believe. Have faith. I hope that's where you are today. I hope that you will open your heart and your life to the risen Jesus right now. I hope you will let him guide you from, from darkness to light, from confusion, fear, and doubt to a new calling, a new presence and peace, and a new beginning for you. Will you do that this morning? Will you make today your very own personal Easter? If you sense 
that God is leading you to take that step to believe today. I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer, but with real sincerity. The words of that prayer are going to be on the screen. And as I pray, I hope you pray along with me in your home. Receiving by faith the life that comes only through the risen Jesus. Jesus, be risen in my heart today. Shine your light into my darkness. Dispel my confusion, fear, and doubt. Overcome all my reluctance or procrastination. I confess that I am a sinner and I need a savior. You are that savior, the only savior. In faith, I turn to you right now and I claim your sacrifice on the cross as payment for all those wrong things I've done and just who I am. I affirm your resurrection from the dead as the basis of my life from this moment on. I humbly, honestly, and genuinely invite you into my life to take charge of it, to be Lord of it always. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, let me tell you what the Bible says about you. It says you are a royal priest. You're part of a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. And also, if you prayed that prayer, we'd love to know about it. We want to celebrate with you. Right now in the chat feature, just type it in. I prayed with Dave. I prayed the prayer. I received Jesus. Or you can visit cbcjoy.org contact, and there a form will pop up. And you can let us know that you prayed to receive Jesus. We want to, again, we want to celebrate with you. We'd also love to follow up a little bit with you and just, you know, help you to understand what God's good plans are for you. He wants you to connect with other Jesus followers so that you can uh, grow in your relationship with him, so that you can grow in community with others, and so that you can grow in embracing that calling that God has for all of us to share the good news of, his, of life through Jesus. So let us know again uh, uh, by using cbcjoy.org contact. And if you have questions, you can use that same link. If you'd like to talk to someone, if, if you're intrigued, uh, but you'd like to talk to someone further, um, we'd love to be able to discuss with you what it means to follow Jesus. And so you can use that same link uh, to let us know that. And by the way, I just want to say, I want to offer myself personally up to you as well. You can email me directly. It's real simple, dave at cbcjoy.org. If you have questions, if you have comments, if you wanna let me know that you prayed alongside, along with me to receive Jesus, you can also email me directly. So there's several ways for you to let us know. We'd invite you to, do, to take advantage of one of those. So that again, we can celebrate with you the new life that you have in Christ. It's been great uh, to connect in this way on this Easter Sunday uh, with all of you. And uh, I'm gonna close our service with a word of prayer. Uh, but before I do, I wanna just, uh, just encourage each of you uh, in this time where it's difficult, where we're struggling, or where we lack the ability to do so many of the things that are normal in life, 
I want to encourage each of you to continue to lean into the love and the grace and the provision of your Heavenly Father, as well as your other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this time to worship you. Thank you for this time to hear the truth of new life in Jesus. I pray, God, that we would walk in the newness of that life. We thank you for those who took that step of faith uh, to receive Jesus this very day. And we pray that you would bless them and that you would help them to connect uh, with you and with others so that they can grow in that newfound faith. Lord God, as we go through this difficult time of the pandemic, we pray that you would provide for us your very own strength. Many watching this may find themselves fearful and weary, irritated, and just kind of like worn out, spent. Fill us, Lord God, with your strength so that we can continue on. We thank you again for the chance to gather and celebrate and worship and learn. In the great name, great name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks again for being with us today. Have a great Easter Sunday.